Welcome to the Take 92 Podcast. My name is Sammy Warmhands. I am your host. And while we are not properly back with the new season, we used to do a little thing called listening parties. So I have got my bass player, Ben Polanski, and my drummer, Kellen Holty, and we are going to do a dead fucking serious listening party. I actually have two releases out this month, so we will do another one later for the hip-hop fans. But this is a commentary track for our new record, Live in the Flesh. I should put my pants back on. Which I, not well, they can't the kind see of, you. Okay. So, you know, however you want to play it, it's a safe space here. That's what I'm saying. That's how Ben likes to party. Yeah. Pants off. Yeah. That's with pants on. Yeah. I understand. For me, it's my shirt off. So, yeah. I don't know about you. Yeah. I, I've been described as a never nude. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, basically, the long and short of it is we fucking don't get a chance to play shows ever. I thought, well, let's record uh, what we are going to play, which was last summer. Uh, we got to do two shows, a couple opening gigs. One was uh, with a Wilhelm Scream, which we filmed, and we, we used that for a music video here. And then, like, the next week or two weeks later, we played here in Eugene with uh, Negative Approach, and we recorded the audio from that. And we had uh, our, our friend Paul Miner. Uh, this is the third record he's mixed for us now. We're going we're gonna to play some shit here. And um, maybe talk about it. We do these medleys live. We call them blocks, but uh, we like to not stop or count in or anything when we're playing just to keep it fucking uh, exciting. So that's how you're going to hear it. It's going to say a, a few songs at a time. I think it keeps our brains young to have to remember so much stuff in such a small window of time. Well, yeah. It's also, like Sudoku, it's like, kind of. Did you have to memorize 17 songs or did you have to memorize five blocks? To me, it's way easier. In blockwise, yeah, but I mean, all the changes are there. But then you don't have to you don't have to think about what then what's the name of that one and you know. Yeah, but even if these were much longer, the complicated part is the fact that there's so many changes in little things. Where if it was like if you're playing La Bamba or something, or like a Coldplay song, it's just kind of like a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, maybe a bridge. You're gonna I, I could play forty of those songs, yeah. but you know, these ones we got to cut it off. Which letter is this song in? <laughs> That's it. What's well, a classic to like less talk, more rock? I think that was a big thing from years ago you you're know? right because when like when squalor was about to come out which was our, our, our first you know kind of our comeback album after a long long time i watched some old footage of us at what was that place uh on agate, hall. agate hall yeah in the university of oregon we, there was a bunch of hardcore shows there back in the day when we started and i watched the footage of us playing we play like a 30 second song and then we talk for three minutes <laughs> yeah i'm like what is this it's like it's a spoken lame. word show featuring music yeah it was insane and so I, I was like dude we got to do the opposite of that and i remembered one time seeing the bouncing souls and they played 10 songs without stopping and then introduced themselves and i was like this is the greatest thing i've ever seen and i was like so let's try the bouncing souls thing and ever since this just been our our thing yeah well especially since the songs are also like a minute and a half 30 seconds long <laughs> cramming them all together makes it well, unless we play them half speed, which I'm still pushing for. <laughs> <laughs> We've tried it out a couple times. It's, it's doable. If we play with Doom bands, we'll do that. Someday, or a modular maybe. experience. We fit in wherever needed. Yeah, hey, I'll call Mike Scheidt, man. Hey, if Yob needs an opening act next tour. Yeah, we'll slow all of our shit down, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'll be super metal. <laughs> and that's probably actually the, the truth, though. If you slowed all of our songs down, they would sound metal, I bet. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. That's why it works. <laughs> 
actually, we'll get to the the weird metal influence thing at the end of this. Oh. But um, and that's the fun thing today. We're going to listen to all the songs at fifty percent speed. Oh, nice! So people can really learn them before. Yeah, definitely. So, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna play some shit here. The first block starts with "Help." It's the opening song from Squalor. This is our first hometown show in three years. And still, no one came. There's, there's people. They don't know who we are. That was me. <laughs> it was just you layered. We didn't give Ben a mic so he could <laughs> woo, off camera. I like this song a lot more when we cut the breakdown out of it. Listen to those drums. They sound really good. You're playing and just like the that kick and that snare, man. Yeah. Yeah, it was recorded really well. Like, it sounds really good. Yeah, shout out to Jake LaRoche. He's the sound guy at John Henry's. He recorded this before we sent it to Paul. Both this song and the next one are from the album Peril. The song's about putting down my dog. Sad. Yeah, Kellen's ripping. <laughs> this is one of those riffs I like a lot. Because it's Me a pretty too. straightforward riff, but just a weird... The timing rant. is yeah. off. Very bouncy. So it feels good to play like when you lock into it. I just love the main riff, too. Dynamically fun song. I've okay. never played that riff right, though. <laughs> and I won't. I still won't. Sticking with it. <laughs> never going to play it right. It's a little trade-off. Oh, yeah. Kellen on the mic there. Now, this is the first time any songs have ever been played from Clandemic. Yeah, I think anytime we ever play live, I'm still going to apologize to Mike for not doing the fills that he has done so well live. <laughs> I love this song a lot. It's so heavy. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I do a couple of those little, <laughs> yeah. That's my Roger Merritt impression. I love it. The song evolves oh, yeah. into something else by here, but right. to me, the way it starts is kind of a blank check. I love this trade-off. Fun fact, <laughs> I asked Todd from Propagandi to jump on this song for that back and forth. And uh, 
and Kellen did it. So, you know, hey. that's how that ended up. <laughs> There's fucking uh, Gradient in the background. The one person who, <laughs> one friend of mine who paid to see us. I do like that. The I, I forgot to lay out the set list. Like fucking, because we've just been rehearsing these blocks so much that you don't really need to know what comes next. As long as you know what starts, you're like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was that was four songs or three. Yeah, and a half, first, first four songs. Well, yeah, because we trimmed help because it had this whole halftime breakdown thing, and you started crying. It was too much. Big breakdown. <laughs> well, it's worth noting that's the only song from Squalor that's still in the set list these days. Yeah. I think mostly because we don't play the standard tuning block anymore, or at least we haven't in a long time. But it's such a good vocal warm-up song for me. So that said, we're opening with this block at the release show, but the order of songs on the live album is not the order of songs from the show. Right. I don't know if we've talked much about that, but the audio was compromised on the first few songs. And so there's actually like a massive opening block that's like had the best stuff we played it the best <laughs> best crowd response uh, you have to use your imagination I mean some of it's like my favorite like anti-hero is in that block that fucking song rules and it turned out great but there's like multiple audio glitches that I just couldn't edit out and there's there's some in these songs that I was able to kind of edit out and you were too much of a coward to put like honk <laughs> <laughs> or like different sound effects over the glitch just to lean into it. Yeah, yeah. If there's a glitch where there's just music, then I can maybe copy paste like the bar right before it or something and fake it that it wasn't there. But when there's vocals there and it's a live recording, there's nothing you can do. And so we lost the half the block that was Death Knell, Bitter Pill, and Antihero, which really bummed me out because that's two out of the four singles we had for Clandemic. That's like, oh, these songs that people don't listen to the album a lot, like might have seen online and you know might be familiar with, mm. and they're not on the record, the live and, record. And so. the transitions that they had that we have rehearsed for them flowed super well. Yeah, like every song flows super well in that block. And it's honestly, it's like one of the more impressive very, parts of relentless. the show because I, I remember we were like, should we just open with the crazy long one? You know, like go out there and bang out fucking six songs, which in Antiheroes kind of one and a half songs too. So mm. it's just another one of those people going, what the fuck was that, you know? Even if they don't like it, they're like, I felt like something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they sure did some stuff. I'm going to go take a walk. <laughs> I think it made sense, though, in terms of um, the abbreviated blocks that we had that was like, well, help is a kind of a classic DFS opener. I'm just going to start the show there. But now we're getting into some more clandemic stuff. So after that song, Apathy, we do a block here. It's Pride, Sinker, and Brad. So let's check this out. And again, as Kellen mentioned, the album was recorded with Mike Cambra on the drums. And so this is the first time you're ever hearing like our regular lineup play these songs. Earmuffs. I think it's sorry. just crazy the, uh, no, well, I was going to say the tone you get out of your line six. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Fucker. <laughs> no, I love the guitar tone on this You're record. playing a Fernandez Traveler guitar, right? With yeah. Darth Vader on it? Yeah, that's it. Your uh, DI amp simulator sounds really good. Right <laughs> Shut up.
pretty good. It's not bad. <laughs> we're having hiccups currently with the tempo of this song, so that's why we're now referencing our past selves of how we did it then. <laughs> The song is so weird for us, but I really like it. It fits. I think it fits. Especially with how the direction of some of the songs on Clandemic and then even this newer material that we're eventually going to start working on. Yeah, more it's a little more heavier, slower stuff, or mid-tempo stuff. Well, kind of what can be an outlier at the time might plant a seed for something the we future, can play yeah. with in the future. Ben Solo. Yeah, his MIDI file played perfectly at this <laughs> segment. Look at that. No count in, no nothing. That is the scapegoat transition, just the snare drum. This is the most vocals I think I've done in one section, yeah. too. Good job, everyone. Yeah, I like that song. Hey, you guys are great. Just curious, how many people have no fucking idea who we are? <laughs> okay, all right, that's cool, that's cool. I was getting the feeling. <laughs> We're from here, but we never I like this. Play, play more. <laughs> she meant now, she was tired of hearing you talk. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> no, right. I don't want to see more This was more the talking scene <laughs> we talked about before. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody says that, we're like, oh shit, we should play again. Oh God, oh. That album was just made in such a weird fucking bubble of like, I'm working on all these songs by myself when we're isolated and can't see each other. And then, like, I taught a drummer from Streetlight Cardiacs to play the songs so we could demo. And then I taught the songs to Mike so he could record it. And then the album comes out, and then we teach the songs to you. And then it's like, okay, now the band's playing it. Like, it's, it went through so many versions before we got to the show. It's bizarre. Yeah. It's like Steely Dan. You are like Steely Dan. Oh, wow. There's something I don't hear every day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to try and change that. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag. Steely Sam. Oh, there you go. Oh, wow. That's not bad. That's not bad. It's better than my real name that I use. What? <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to rise to that. I will not insult you. Then what are we even doing here? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing here. Go and take your shirt off. <laughs> Let's liven this up a little bit. <laughs> I told Party's you they can't now. see it. They can't see it. <laughs> Woo! So this here is the halfway point of the block that we talked about earlier. So this was technically the fourth song in the set, Losing Ground. 
came right out of Antihero. But we do sort of like a ring out and a cymbal swell. So, you know, really all you have to do is mute the cymbals at the beginning of the song, and it starts with a guitar. So this is totally fucking studio fakery, but this is losing Which ground. Which is very appropriate for a live album. Yeah, right? In fact, you know, you didn't even know this, but on Apathy, we copy and pasted one of your bass parts. I know Ooh. it because I heard the version before you did it. Oh, you did? Okay, okay. <laughs> Sounds much better. You're like, yeah. Because this, this is a good use times. of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. there's just that one a little uh, break where it's just the bass on the on the low D, the da 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 And for whatever reason, one of them was like played softly so there was like no it's, grit from it's the It's because I was coming out of the fast tremolo part. Oh yeah, the And <laughs> my bass was set up with the strings high and I was just lazy so I was like, we'll just leave it, whatever. Yeah, yeah. What that means is like... You're like, oh, we're recording this? Well, halfway through each block my hand gets really tired. And then, so sometimes, you know, you just play bad. Yeah. You just play badly, that's all. This is worth talking about because fucking any live version of a hardcore band I've ever heard I mean, all the way back to like when the Sick of It All live album came out in high school, I just remember going like, this is a rough genre to, record, <laughs> to try to record live because like the vocals are never right, you know? Yeah. And so given that in this type of music and especially the way we record the albums where I'll record every other line and then I'll go back and record every other line because, you know, you can't give it that intensity, it's passable. Yeah, I think it sounds fine. You know, it's about the eighty percent aggression that I give at every show. But you know, there's the voice cracks and the stuff here and there, and that's just kind of how it goes with this kind of stuff. But well, I think about like um, live albums. The one that comes to mind immediately is one I really like is the Mark, Tom, and Travis show. Oh yeah, that's like a very it's a the best version of a lot of those songs because yeah. it's extremely produced. I'm certain they went back and like doubled guitar parts or auto-tuned or did whatever and fixed things and it sounds awesome it's insanely fast though too like they fix the energy they've got the live version vocal melodies that make the choruses better and yeah. shit like and so i think you kind of have that on one end or even further maybe like a really big pop performers live album or something and then on the other end you'd have like a bootleg that sounded like complete shit yeah and so i think this sounds like a nice balance <laughs> of the two <laughs> no but it sounds like a real recording and so maybe some of those bigger flubs like my thing there being fixed is good, but it still has like just the rough edges that make it sound like live. Yeah, like I remember saying once to Kellen, I was like, man, I should have had Paul like bury my vocal a little bit more because the vocal mic is what's getting like all the noisy shit from the room. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, but that's what makes it sound like yeah. it's us. That, that was going to be my opinion was that it's a live record actually, of a it, hardcore It already band. was your opinion is what I'm saying. Oh, right. Yeah. Especially for a hardcore band that if I put a live album of it on and it sounds really polished like if it sounds like a studio album then I'm just like this is yeah. what's the point yeah whereas you want those almost like not mistakes but you can feel the band getting tired you can hear the room <laughs> yeah like what Ben is saying this is like the yes, best yes you can hear my voice getting tired where you can hear us you know actually like really trying hard to get this stuff out but yeah. it sounds super good yeah the production so. is good it's like it's it's a clean but not um, yeah not fixed for yeah, the Yeah, you can part. hear what everybody is doing, but you yeah. can also hear the room and you can hear our energy and our, like, you know, missing a hit or something like that. Or, or you know, like a few hi-hat hits not being there. Sometimes <laughs> that just... Yeah, sometimes you drop a stick live and if it's recorded... That's part of it. You could try to fix it, but that's lame. Actually, you know? what I love is on the... So there's a music video for these next songs that we're going to play here. The beginning of Never Again, Kellen dropped his stick, and so you're just hearing hearing the kick and the snare for the first couple bars and then the hi-hat comes in late. But on the footage, 
at a different show, he's playing that song, you know, perfectly fine. And so I am amused by all those little things that don't don't quite add up because they're they're just not supposed to be perfect. Right. You know, my favorite is the shirt. The appearing yeah, and disappearing shirt on and off, shirt on and off. Really quickly. No, I'm cold again. Put this yeah. On. No, I'm on. <laughs> yeah, you can this tell. This song has a lot of fills. Times of the <laughs> set. Take it off. Yeah, yeah. That said, I'm I'm happy with it because I mean, same I, rules apply. I would be the most biggest piece of shit. Just yes, the most yes. No, but I, I I think that like being the vocalist of a hardcore band on a live record, I have the least to hide behind, yeah. and like I should be very insecure about the and like as we're listening to some of it back, I'm like. <laughs> okay that part's over you know it's all right it's all right yeah you know, but i i really think that it's it, it, it turned out good i think that overall if there was a lot of mistakes that it would not work very well as like a fun sounding live album then obviously we, we wouldn't have done this you yes know? but we actually it was recorded well and performed well yeah and that even with those mistakes it just even or those like the usual things that come with live shows is that it accentuated the fact that this is a live document you know like yeah. it, it's a good a good bar, essentially, of like what you would expect from seeing us play a show. Yeah, and which I think is why that it's we've become sort of a, a studio band over the last. I mean, since we got back together, essentially, we don't we don't perform a lot unless we're touring on a new release. But in a way, we've also always been a live band. Like we have a very specific thing we do. And so, like when you listen to those songs from Peril, like Names and Pressure, and the next ones we're about to show here, Steps and Never Again. It feels like that record felt because we recorded those songs live on the album, you know? Like, we were really trying to capture the vibe of the band. And so it's cool to me, coming off of this very produced record that was all on metronomes and shit, to then DFSify it and, and make it a little bit looser and, and crazier. Yeah, a lot of these songs I like more in the context of the block than I Absolutely. do in the album. It's not that I don't like them on an album, but it's just like... Right, because we have all those long gaps on the album. Is that where what you, you mean? Where you talk for five minutes. Yeah. And just... <laughs> no, no, just your it, point, it's, ben. it's again, it's the uh, the energy aspect <laughs> of like these five songs together. We played them all in a row, just like, I yeah. don't know, they flow well. Yeah. All right, well, let's go into the next block. This one is called Losing Ground. Mid tempo banger from the new album. Well, our mid-tempo. Speaking of studio bullshit, there is a second guitar on all of these songs, just doubling exactly what I played because it just sounded bad in mono. Well, I don't like that then. That means we sound bad live. So. <laughs> Again, middle ground. It's <laughs> well, middle ground. We had a second guitar player, but he quit. And you can't guarantee at home that people are drinking. At the bar, they're drinking, so it all sounds great to them. Ben's listening to Clandemic like, take the edge off. Don't mind if I do. <laughs> Thank you, sir.
There's the stick. What can you do? This quadruple verse tires me out. Like, I'm good till here, but the fourth one, this is hard. But it's good. It sounds like you're drained at that point because literally you are drained. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it works with the lyrics, but like, I, that was like a, I got a beat drop. I got to let it ring out. I got to push as hard as I can, and that's well, the best I got. But we ended really strong. See, all I needed is a little rest, and then I can do it again. <laughs> See, now that little glitch, those are the things that were on the whole fucking record. Like, that would be like over the top of the music, because everything would just go... <laughs> and I'm saying you could just put like a... <laughs> DJ Khaled. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The second half of Never Again, though, is always one of the most fun parts of the set to play. Like It the, feels really good. That riff is awesome. The vocal trade-off with me and you is super fun. Explosive. And then, like... Boom. And I, I don't... But, like, I, I'll kind of have my two voices. I have the screamy voice, and then I have the... Da -da -da -da, you know, fucking punk voice. But, like... That is one of the rare moments, too, where I also get to, like, and I'm hitting a higher, I don't call it a note, but, like, I do a higher scream at the end of that song, which there's not a lot of variation where mm. I would even have the, the room or the breath to, you know, fucking fluctuate like that. So it's fun to, like, just belt one last fucking thing at the end of that song, and we don't go into anything after it. You know, like, I don't have to, I don't have to reserve anything, you know. I'm done. Well, kind of like in the, the song Brad, we had Kellen do that entire bridge because coming out of it, we have a really intense ending. And every time we practice it, I was like, dude, I, I can't deliver the ending with the screams if I'm doing all the fucking... Like that, that whole shit. Like, I, yeah, it fucking just... It, it wears me out if there's... It seems stupid, but in hardcore, yeah, if it, legitimately, if there's fucking eight lines in a row or something. I'm like, that's too much. Well, like, also playing guitar, your main focus isn't just the vocalist too. It's like you're having to also like play guitar on top of doing all these vocal deliveries. Sure, yeah. And I, what you're saying is I'm out of shape in general and a lazy person, <laughs> which is true. Another it's, thing with the, that this is audio-based, you can't see your body, but if we could. I've really let things go. Yeah. Um, I don't feel great. <laughs> I can't tell where the chair stops. <laughs> And your body begins. It's just one. Dale the Whale from Monk uh, was a real inspiration of mine. I saw that he just lived his life in a bed, and I thought, <laughs> you know, if I can't get up, no one's going to ask me to go anywhere. That's true. You know, you got to have goals, role models. But uh, this next block is the only time we've ever done this where it's just one song because we had this super long opening track from Clandemic called Panicdote. This is, to me, really the only point of the record. Like, there's that little thing on Never Again that we just talked about. But this is the only point on the live show here where my voice just 
fucking runs out at a certain point. I think we're about four minutes into the song, and I <laughs> I can't do that. Like, police in the street, that we march to the beat up. And I I gotta just fucking give me the throaty thing because that's all I got left. <laughs> but uh, but fucking, I mean. Just the fact that Just we into the could lay off, man. I'm starving. <laughs> <laughs> but just the fact that we could play this song live to me is is rad. Um, I don't think it needs to be in the set forever, but it's just like you know the idea of that song being like, well, okay, we did Peril by recording the live medleys. That was rad, you know. So the next record, what if we write a big thing that's like one of those? big medleys and and that turned into a, a, a really cool song the song is funny to me too though because even though the other blocks are kind of the same thing although even i mean the longest block is it even five minute song uh the six song block probably is yeah you're right it's like six minutes but still something yeah. about the fact that this is one song made it feel like there was more pressure yeah yeah like, don't fuck up don't fuck up <laughs> yeah because now you fucked this one song up multiple times instead of fucking five songs up once each <laughs> yeah it raises your average yeah yeah <laughs> but uh anyway i think it turned out great it was really fun to play uh the first time we played it was in portland and we had our old bassist chris come out and do the uh the guest vocal parts that was super fun but it was it was rough that first one i have a soundboard recording of that show I'm glad we recorded the second one because it was like, okay, now we know how these songs go. Yeah. They literally put a smoke machine in my mouth and turned it on. <laughs> it's hard well, to breathe. I wanted to see if it would come out your ears. <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> next time we'll shove it up your ass and okay, see what happens. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, anyway, this is uh, Panicdote. It's just the three of us, no guest spots for the guest spots. And, um, yeah. Don't fuck it up. <laughs> we had a lot of help on this record from our friends in Death by Stereo. It's sick of it all. And, uh, this song Wait, what? <laughs> Heard of those bands? <laughs> Name dropping son of a bitch. Six count. Yeah, it's the only time. That's like the most <laughs> stick clicks you hear on the whole album in one spot. This song was a lot of firsts for us. <laughs> this is DFS's version of a Doom this song. This sounded so bad with one guitar right here. <laughs> We need more in this band. Yeah, right. Especially coming up right here. Ugh. Ugh. Oh, oh yeah, you're right. God one. damn it. Yeah, you fuck. <laughs> Listen to more death metal, please. Yeah. <laughs> I actually love how this came out like at the end of the set when my voice is fried. It's kind of perfect. True exhaustion. Like if the whole song was this vibe, it would have been perfect, you know. I'm such a sucker for just that fucking Mesa guitar tone. Like, I just love the simple riffs in this song and just how the, 
Just how they sound sonically. But you can hear my guitar starting to get out of tune from beating it for the whole set. So if you want to know what the demo for this song sounded like, it was basically that. <laughs> and then you got that guy from Swingin' Utters? Who's? Uh, 30 Seconds to Mars. Oh, okay. Yeah. He played the Joker once. <laughs> My favorite Joker. Yeah, the best. Cheating, cheating, you and your hi-hat counts. It's a long song. No, he dropped a salt shaker on the hi-hat, and it hit it twice on the way down. Yeah, I got hungry in the middle of the set, so I ordered some french fries. <laughs> and they came to the right to the side, so that was my only moment to, to salt my fries. <laughs> Right here. I tried so hard. <laughs> I, I mean, that was good, though. It works, but... You can hear it, though. I'm fucking trying... Should have had you do these lines. Well, Next it hasn't time. been released yet. You can go back and what hasn't been released yet. You can go back <laughs> and punch him in. Take, take, send the CDs back. We'll play another show. Just oh, that's song. what we'll do. We'll play the show, record it, and then just swap out the CDs of that one. <laughs> okay, hear me out, guys. What if we record the release show and make a live album out of the live album release show? That's perfect. Uh, and make put it a together. double album. Yeah, exactly. When Reissue. Part, yeah. Deluxe edition. <laughs> I'm like, there's too many syllables here. <laughs> I like the ending, though. Yeah, okay. I knew there was a bass fill in there somewhere. I do the more uh, complicated one. Oh, this song keeps going. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot to? <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. No, I do a more complicated fill there on the album, and then one, because it's, yeah, it's hard, it's just harder to hear live, so it's like, why well, does it even matter? And also, my hand was really tired. I'm like, I'll just <laughs> <Yes>. play two notes. <laughs> and it'll sound as good. It worked. No one's listening to the bass anyway. No, no. correct. <laughs> you, just, you feel the bass. You yeah. don't hear yeah. the bass. You know what I'm saying? I've been to an IMAX screening. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's XD. <laughs> I'm thinking it's got to be to the point now in our culture where we stop advertising every like cool new thing with X, you know? And then... Fucking Twitter gets rebranded. I'm like, you. No, that's the perfect. This is so like, played out, like nail in the coffin for X as a thing like that. <laughs> yeah, you're Just right. Just nice and you're light. Right. <laughs> now it's it's done. It's done. And next, it has to be plus. They turn the X on its side, and and now everything is plus. Apple Plus, Disney Plus, fucking Home Depot Plus, or whatever the fuck. I don't know. <laughs> like it just it never ends. 
So anyway, Carl's Jr. Plus. Yeah, there you go. Give them twenty dollars a month. It doesn't take forty minutes in the drive-through. <laughs> oh, now uh, that is the show. That's the live show. And if I'm to delete this bonus track here, let's see. That is sixteen minutes of music. Since we lost, I think what five th- minutes, three or four songs from our, oh. our set list. Yeah, uh, you know, because it's a twenty-minute set, and we lost a few. I had originally not even exaggerating, but sort of forced the band to do a cover song when we were recording Clandemic. Nobody wanted to do this. But I had a, a, a guitar warm-up playlist every day when I was rehearsing these songs before the studio and, and when I was recording and all that. The last song on that playlist was Damage Incorporated. And we tacked this on in the Clandemic session. It was the very last thing we did after Mike finished the drums. And... We gave him a little more freedom on this one of like... You're allowed to use your double bass if you want. Well, well no. <laughs> uh, but, and, and he he wanted to go the opposite of that. He was like, no, nah, I'm just going to do a punk rock version. He made it super fucking cool. But the song was intended because I, I had this idea. In fact, the album cover for this live album was something that I commissioned with the name Panicdote on top of it. And my goal was I'm going to press the Clandemic CDs. I'm going to send it out to some labels. And then I'd love to get a 12-inch single of Panicdote on one side. And then I needed another, like, five-minute song. And I was like, oh, the fucking if we do the cover song, it would be perfect. They're, like, the exact same length yeah. by, like, 10 seconds or something. In hindsight, since the single never happened, it would have made more sense as a bonus track for that record. But... I like that it's on here because it's just sort of an odd one for well, us. And it's nice to finish a live album with a better studio sounding song. Produced. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> a little P.S. Guys, cleanser. we can sound better than this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, I got I got a response from one label we sent Clandemic to. They said and, no. And I was very excited to. No, they were <laughs> oh, like they were they were interested. And they said they were going to keep an eye on us. So I sent them I sent them the live record when mm-hmm. we finished this one. I'm like, hey, fucking doing some shit again, but. We fucking never perform, which means they're like, well, these guys can't sell shit. We like their songs, but fuck them. You know, Sounds accurate. I yeah. I, I know how it works on the other side of uh, things. Um, you you want to recoup your fucking investment here? Yeah, so we tacked it on here to round it out to a, a stout 20-minute CD, which is, you know, really the max we want for a DFS release anyway because it's just it's so much, it's so intense. I want to say, not really being a Metallica guy, yeah. a big thank you to the YouTube-based tutorials so <laughs> yeah. I can learn how to play this song. Me being a huge Metallica fan, like they've been my favorite band for fucking 20-some years, this is not the way I play guitar. I had to look really closely just at that main riff because when it, when it does that slide the F on the fourth time, it's very weird the way that it does it, mm-hmm. and it's only for a split second, and so there's... There's little things in there, or like the bridge guitar riff. He does that alternate picking from like the E string and the A string. Uh-huh. But because we're tuned down, like it way, made way more sense to do it in a more like Billy Corgan way, like way up the neck. Well, and I will say too, and I don't dislike Metallica, I just don't really listen to him all that much. But there's that nice thing of when you try to learn someone else's song, it makes you really appreciate how cool it is. Yeah. So you're like, oh, like that, that riff is kind of challenging and interesting and it feels fun under your hand. And that was neat. Yeah, and I don't know how much we've really talked about it, but... Kellen's biggest drum influence <laughs> yeah, is Lars. Lars. Yeah, yeah, you can tell that. That's obvious. That but, snare sound? But 
You're just beating on a big Okay, cake, right? okay. Speaking of played out jokes, come on. <laughs> that's, what I was gonna, that's what I was reminded of is because I made a similar very low-hanging fruit joke before we played this set about Lars. Oh. And it like drove a wedge between us for the first 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Mike talked some shit about Lars while we were recording this too. And I was like, you motherfucker. Get out of here, you son of a bitch. I don't you, you fucking acing all these songs and making my record sound good, you fucking bastard. Don't insult that millionaire. <laughs> we did sort of have a philosophy, though, when we got back together. After we did the split and we started working on songs for Squalor, it was like, well, we want to streamline everything. Nothing that sounds like melodic punk anymore. Nothing that sounds like fucking too metal. Not, like, just bare bones, simple riffs, and always changing arrangements, you know, that you can't really tell where it's going, you know, like... Again, like let's say Agnostic Front, like okay, an Agnostic Front guitar riff. So they're Injustice for All, but you're gonna run it through the Metallica Injustice for All arrangement prism, you know, of like, but how fucking weird and unpredictable can we make it? And so they're a huge influence on how I construct a DFS song. Like I actually after Peril, I did that like how to write a punk song video, and I showed how we made like all the rage. I was like, okay, so this song I thought it'd be fun to take the chords from Creeping Death and do a fucking old-school hardcore fucking thing out of it by totally rearranging everything. Anyway, so yeah, big influence, even if it makes no sense for us to actually play their shit. And this is only the second cover I mean, the early we've stuff ever recorded. fairly thrashy. Still, it's just a different type of guitar playing for us. Mm. You know, it's a different type of drumming. And what I didn't realize until we got everything else done, I was like... Oh, I've never tried to sing this. I've spent the last two months rehearsing this song in my set for guitar. But everything in Clandemic was rehearsed solo, then recorded solo. And it wasn't until the shows that we played them as a band. So I'm getting to the end of the vocals. I'm like, I've never, I've never tried to sing a Metallica <coughs> song. Damage in <coughs> Damage in No. <laughs> well, no, because like if you listen to it, it's not the panic dope voice exactly. Buy it, everything, but stop. You know, it's like a, like that didn't quite work, and the screaming it didn't work, and I'm like, well, I can't sing it like clean Hetfield because this is a fucking DFS record, and so I just went, all right, I'm gonna go full scapegoat from Squalor. I'm just gonna push as hard as I can, push as much air out in that kind of lower register as I can and see what the fuck happens. I did exactly two takes of this song and couldn't speak. I fucking destroyed my voice. That's why even my screaming sounds weird on this. Because I think I had done Panic Dote like the night before or something and I was dead or maybe even the same day. And I was like, all right, I'm fucking done with the, oh, the bonus track. God damn it. Well, let's try it, you know. And as a guest guitar solo, that's a, worth mentioning. Yeah, yeah. This, part of the reason it wasn't a bonus track on uh, Clandemic is because so Mike from Death by Stereo played the drums on the album. Paul from Death by Stereo <laughs> recorded all that stuff at his studio. Ephraim from Death by Stereo sang on Panicdote. And because of that, and we were doing this cover, I was like, well, do you think Dan would play the guitar solo? Because I, I can't play it. So Dan said yes, and he was going to come down there. And I think he got sick or something. He, he texted me like that, that day. I was like, oh, my God, I can't come. That's a problem. <laughs> well, hey, it happens to everybody, so I've heard. Yeah. More common than you think. But, you know, we stayed in touch for a while afterward about trying to schedule him to go down to Paul's place and, and just bust it out. And it never happened. And so when we did the show with the Wilhelm Scream, I talked to Trevor, their guitar player, 
he's been on this podcast a couple times, and I said, hey, um, would you be down to play this? Like, you, you know, you guys play crazy technical guitar parts. One of know? the best bands ever. Oh, hands down, man. And they're, they're so good. Actually, yeah, I, like if you could say any similarity between us and Wilhelm is purely arrangements because I can't play their guitar parts like that. That's the most interesting thing about them, as in I like everything about them, is the arrangements. Yeah, yeah, and those those songs, the way that they uh, twist and turn is, is fucking fascinating. And particularly not to talk too much about them now, but the way that the way that their <laughs> Let's vocals... Let's listen to uh, Ruiner right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's just do a whole review, a commentary of that. Yeah, the way that their vocals carry the song forward is like legitimately bizarre propaganda will do this weird sort of singing prose thing but like wilhelm takes that to a whole different place and it's still catchy and it i don't know anyway those guys are amazing and way more talented than me so i was like hey would you want to do this and he goes man that would be super fun he goes but i'm not quite as much of a shredder as you might think um he goes i bet jason would do it and so jason milbank came through i think he was on tour with his other band Census fail at the time, and when he got back from tour, uh, right before he had a baby, he squeezed us into the schedule and fucking just annihilated this song. You know, the, the harmony part did everything, and kind of like Mike, he was like, you know, can I can I fuck with this a bit? You know, and I, and I said, all I want is the most recognizable kind of signature licks in there, and then go to town. So that said, this is fucking damage ink. Punk rock version. I promise I get tighter after the intro. I remember standing next to Paul being like, I'm not a metalhead. Don't judge me. I'm trying so hard. When you left the room, he was like, he didn't do that well. <laughs> he said that to me. Out loud. Yeah. yeah. Two, three, four. That would have been a good ugh moment, too. Not ugh, but you know, you, you can do it. Better. I love this riff, though. <laughs> this yeah. riff. Yeah. It was a fun riff, too, because again, watching those bass tutorials, people play them like three or four different ways, depending on whether they're using yeah. their fingers or a pick. So, not, so a lot of people like fudge the downward part of the riff. Yeah. They just kind of like slide it rather than actually playing the notes. And it sounds okay in the mix. I love the tail on that, though. This song should have been in Stranger Things. Slam it through the fuck my radio back. I think all of this is first take, honestly. You're like, yeah, I can tell. <laughs> That's what Paul said. I mean, it goes on the live record, right? It's fine. Damage Incorporated. This riff is way harder to play than you would think. And it's like the cool... I don't know, that other riff is really cool too, but this one's a little cooler because I like the way it bounces. Yeah. Boom, boom, beam, beam, boom, boom. That fucking fill, man. This is very Slayer, like the... There's actually one extra guitar there. Doubling it. 
Solo. And here he goes. One thing I love about Metallica is the riffs behind the solos. Mm -hmm. Like, they always do cool, slight variations. Because when you're young and you hear the band, you're like, whoa, Kirk Hammett. And then when you're old and you've heard the songs a million times, you're like, <laughs> James Henry. You know, James is doing some cool shit behind that. Like, the. The Ride the Lightning solo is iconic, but the shit going on behind the Ride the Lightning solo is really interesting. Stand alone. That's Metallica, right? We made the Godsmack jokes at last practice, okay? No, we will never <laughs> run out of Godsmack jokes. I'll back off Metallica. Thank you. So, yeah, that's the thing. We're going to play it live at every show now. No, we're not. And I'm just going to... We're going to sit there and listen to it and talk about it, the three of us. Oh. I'm just going <laughs> to... Me and the two of you. <laughs> not that song. I mean, the whole album. I'm oh, gonna, yeah. I'm okay. going to scat the guitar solo. Uh, at, at the shows, you know, because I can't play it, so I'll just be. No, no, it'll be super cool. I am so fucking happy with the sound that we got with Paul. Like for so many years, like I idolized Jason Livermore, Bill Stevenson at the Blasting Room. You know, their recordings to me are like the greatest things. They're like fucking sonic cum shots. They're just, they're <laughs> like peak fucking... Trademark that phrase right sonic now. Sonic cum shots. Yes. And it has nothing to do with Sonic the Hedgehog. Also weird jokes from last <laughs> practice. But... Those are visual cum shots. To me, like, there is no better music listening experience than putting on a Wilhelm Scream record or a Propagandi record, whatever, that, that was made at the Blasting Room by those guys. And I was so fucking stoked what they did with Peril. Because Jason gets what I want out of the bass tone. He gets what I want from, like, just the fucking, the energy of it, right? And we had a great fucking back and forth, like, conversation as, as that album was getting finished. But something about Paul having the hardcore background, this has the... Thickness? Oomph. Yeah, thickness. It's meaner in a way. It just makes the most sense. And as much as I love that record, there was a gap between, because of, we were waiting for the guitar solo and stuff, right? So there was a gap between when that got finished and when this song, Damage Inc., got finished. And so I just remember putting that on in the stereo when the, the live album, I got the CDs made, driving around listening to it, see how it turned out, you know. 
And when that song came out, I was like, this is the best sounding song I've ever heard anywhere. Like on a good stereo, like this fucking, I don't know what it is. I think it's just because with our stuff, it's a lot of that ridiculously fast. Like, no, shut the fuck up. It's about like the strum patterns and how they line up with the drums and stuff versus on a song like this, how the guitar is doing a lot more rhythmically in the space between the drums, you know, with the chuggy stuff and all that, that for whatever reason, hearing this song to me brought it even to another level of like, it's so sonically satisfying to me. I'm rock hard is what I was saying. Uh, that's what I'm trying to get at here. But, Not an exaggeration. I can see it. But, <laughs> but I texted Paul. That's why I'm looking crossing, right at me. So I'm awkwardly crossing my legs. But um, <laughs> no, I, I, I even texted Paul uh, when I f- first got these press and I was just like, this is just the fucking best thing I've ever heard. Like it just, it fucking sounds incredible to me. And like, you know, I was already talking about the Mesa tone on the live record earlier, but like, God, this, it just sounds good. Even though it's odd for us to do it's an influence we use in a loose way, <laughs> not a direct way, but it was something that was very close to this record in all those fucking rehearsals. And when I was writing these songs, like this is the shit that kept my my right hand in shape when we weren't able to get in a room and play. You know, I just remember I would go to sleep every night making Clandemic and the fucking it's just going through my head over and over and eventually I was just like if I record it it'll go away and it did so that's the live record plus one song Kellen got real quiet at the end he's like I just fucking don't like it it doesn't make sense why did you do it it should have gone away you're not too far from (laughs) from the truth I said I forced the band to play it and I didn't have to force you because you weren't there but you know I even remember when you first said it you're like I think we're going to do this cover and I was like Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I think I could hear that sound through the text <laughs> yeah. well you can tell when it's a long pause before the next message yeah and like, oh, yeah, yeah and I agree I think that's it, called it, having a child actually it does it, yeah. it does sound good I just <laughs> just not not my choice of song to cover but I wasn't a part of it so it doesn't matter as a uh, <laughs> responsibility for what this. cover song would you have done? Heart Attack Man. Yeah, I no, think no, there it was have more to be a Metallica song. What no, but I just mean something. <laughs> Motor breath, dude. Motor th- breath. There's a lot of influence that this band is stemming from. I think that at the time of Clandemic getting made, there was a lot of stuff that Sam really needed to get out there much faster than our usual pace of stuff. Mm. And so I think naturally wanting to do that song since it was a good warm up and it was just on your mind and you were, you were also like, I don't know if you kept back into it, but you were, you like started listening to Metallica a lot again. It never goes away. Yeah. Okay. So it was just, it just became a more apparent influence that it's like, well, I'm with all these like riff Lords around me (laughs) with like great vocals. So like, why not? You know, it made sense. Yeah. I just, I remember when you initially told me the idea, I was like, nah, I remember the first time you told me, and then I remember uh, when it came out, <laughs> and then I remember like, now uh, hearing it again. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what yeah. I don't appreciate is, is that you fucking dodged my question. What song? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's I like I I can't think of. We're the kids of America. Well, yeah, no, because right, exactly. that's what I was thinking when we were listening to it. I'm like traditional punk. I mean, I guess you can cover anything in the right way, but like this music is closer to thrash metal than it is to punk. Sort of, and I was thinking, like, well, what kind of punk song well, it is. would have been I mean, a good cover? Because what we did before was Minor Threat, and so, like, there's been lots of songs 
Like, I've covered hardcore songs, like, fucking from uh, Sick of It All and Gutter Mouth and shit like that. And I, trust me when I say I have a list of songs I'd love for the band to cover. But because it's so hard to get everyone in a room enough times to actually make something, it's like, well, fucking, I got real songs that we need to learn. Uh, you know, so, yeah. like, fuck that. And so I always just make stolen songs records by myself, you know. Yeah. To me, it would be a great opening song for, a, like, a covers record from DFS would be in our regular tuning the first track off Hate Breed Perseverance with the alternating vocal between me and you but it has to be much faster than that that's yeah. the, that's, yeah. that's, that's oh, yeah, the totally. DFS spin of on it of course if we took that song in our tuning and our speed dude that would be a fucking banger of an opening track man like I, I would really like that and yeah so yeah, I've I've got definitely ideas that I've always wanted to do, or you know we've talked before about God, like we should do a song off Aglio Eolio or do Heart mm-hmm. Attack Man or you know something like that. I know Chris was pushing for that back in the day, and I mean that's how long ago this was. Yeah, like, fucking he quit what eight years ago. I mean I I think that on that list there's definitely some like old hardcore stuff that would be fun to do. Ensign, you know that was a big influence when we yeah. started. There's a lot of influence in that sort of thrash metal like crossover type stuff where. It's it's apparent that it's it's obvious, and you're like you're writing with like Metallica and stuff yeah. like that. And there's other bands out there that would that would make sense. I just don't think of anything right now. You know, it's funny. I know you want me to answer. I know you want me to answer your question. A, no. I just I think we're answering it by saying that there's a list of songs that was definitely. Kellen's like I don't know, but, but not this one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Can it be anything <laughs> but this one? Pretty much. I think it's really just a matter of it's not a direct parallel to the band. Right. Like it might be in my head as I'm constructing the song a lot, but it doesn't come off that way. <laughs> well, what Pain, I, snare tone. What I mean is, yeah. <laughs> no, but like, there's certain things that like if you listen to, like, okay, for example, when uh, I started my rap group, The Illusionists, we started touring. Like, Beastie Boys were a huge influence. Would do the dis- distorted mic stuff sometimes. We like the mic passing quick stuff. You know, that was really fun. But then, like, after a few albums, and we got away from that, and then I'm doing solo records that sound way different, right? I'm going on tour, and people are still saying, like, dude, I love your shit. It sounds just like the Beastie Boys. And I'm like, that's bizarre. Like, I've gotten, it's like, I made 10 albums since that or something, you know? And you go, and there's some things that are just so ingrained in you that that's just how it's going to come out, right? And so Metallica's a band like that. I mean, fucking what? How often when you come over to practice is that just what I'm... I'm just watching a different live Metallica show on right. on TV. I remember one time, you know, it was like our you know fifth music video or something. We had put out several by that point. And one of the blogs that posted it was... The, they were like, Metallic Hardcore Band. I'm like, what? Wouldn't, do you think we're a metal band? Like, again, we're not Hatebreed. Like, we're not... You know, fucking. Eh, it's it sounds like the, what it is now sounds like thrash metal. It's, really? It has, yeah, I mean, it doesn't have the double bass stuff. It doesn't have some of the shreddy stuff. But I think about what it sounds like. What it sounded like at the beginning, which was like, I just think there's a line from a Bane song where it's like, "You might as well be at church" or something like that. <laughs> and like that's what the band sounded like at the beginning. Was like that kind of stuff. And now when I hear it, it's like it sounds. Thrashy is again what I the word that always comes to mind, which to me is a little more metal than it is punk. Yeah, I would actually agree with that. I wouldn't necessarily say that we're like a metal band or anything like that. Thrash. But it's two sides of the same fucking coin, too. I mean, hardcore and like metal and I stuff. I mean, they have always are, been. but like I guess to me, when we're talking about influences from that style, as much as I 
wish I could play in a band like that, but like I'm just that's not. That would take a lot more work than I'm willing to do. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, you'd spend way less time with the complicated arrangements and more on like how to play this riff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This day's end, we would do like let's just do the most technically crazy shit we can come up with. I'm like, that's fine when you're fucking 19, but like I don't care. And so like. To me, the way that that influence comes off in the band is the chord changes and arrangements like we've talked about and the speed. Like, I remember when, when Mike was agreeing to come in and do the songs, where he was talking about, like, what kind of influence, you know, what kind of style do you want me to play or whatever. And I was like... So long this, and thanks for all the shoes. No. I was like, this is... I'm talking, like, single kick patterns, punk rock at Slayer speed. That was the best way I could think of how to explain it was like, it's a punk band, but it's Slayer speed. I mean, typically when we play shows, and maybe this live album isn't the best example of that because we're varying the tempos a little bit more, but typically when we would play shows for Squalor and Peril or whatever, we would be far and away the fastest on the bill unless there was like a power violence band or something that was doing blast beats, like, which is kind of rare for what we would end up on the shows we would play. So, like, in general, it was like, well... Yeah. Or even when Lauren would come in and, and we were doing the demos, they're like, okay, yeah, that, but literally twice as fast. I'm like, right. how? Like, just simplify and faster, you know? Yeah. Anyway, this has been the discussion of the bonus track with <laughs> I love a it. brief feature of the live album. So, yeah, check out Live in the Flesh, <laughs> available nowhere except our Bandcamp page. And uh, uh, I have an inn at the uh, Barnes and Noble. It'll be there too. Oh, cool, yeah. cool, yeah, sweet. So uh, in six months they can ship back all the copies that were unsold. <laughs> no, they'll just go to the discount bin for yeah. two fifty. <laughs> but with a cool album cover, five people might buy it just on that alone. Yeah. So, God, I hope so. All right, that is our show. Thank you guys for listening, and huge thanks to everyone who came out to our release show with ninety six bitter beings. That was a hell of a good time. Now, if you want to get live in the flesh, you can go to take92.com, get physical copies and support the band directly, or you can stream it on your favorite apps and follow us on Instagram while you're at it, at dead fucking serious. As I mentioned, I will be back with my first proper rap album in five years later this month, August 25th, Demented Inventive Energy. That's the name of the album with Webb the Free Range Human and myself. We're the co-founders of The Illusionists. It's that punk rock attitude over old school beats. All right, so stay tuned for that and check out the release shows in Portland and Olympia with Sage Francis. That's August 24th and 25th. I'll also be doing a solo show here August 26th in my hometown of Eugene. So check that out. All new set list. New music is on the way. Now we're closing the show with music that we're not going to talk over. This is the live medley from the record Live in the Flesh. It's Losing Ground, Steps, and Never Again.
fucking serious. We had a lot of help on this record from our friends in Death by Stereo and Sick of It All. And uh, this song was written in March 2020. It's called Panic Dope.